I got my scarf, got my old coat. I got a 40 game to go to. 40's on, 40's here again. Back to greet me like an old friend. And well, that's the thing about, that's what I like about. Yeah, that's the thing about, the thing about football. Here we go with another episode of The Thing About Football. Episode two, guys. Um, how's it going, boys? Milo, Bakesy? Yeah, good, mate. Good, Rob. How are you, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, had a fair few listens to our first episode back. It was quite interesting and, you know, had a lot of fun with it. How did you find it, Milo? Yeah, it was good, mate. Really good. How many, good. How many times have you listened to it? Uh, only once, I think, full through, but a few little snippets just for a bit of a laugh, oh. mate. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a few of them when you listen to yourself back. Bakesy? Um, to be honest, mate, I don't listen to myself. I just let the fans tell me how good I am. And they, uh, did, a, they did plenty of that. They did plenty of that, mate. So I appreciate all the fans out there. Thank you very much. Yeah, all four of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. We'll get started with this episode then. It's with great pleasure we have our very first guest on the show tonight. Yeah, 11-year elite AFL career, 141 games for the Melbourne Demons. He was picked 46 in the 2006 National Draft, where he's drafted from the North Hobart Football Club. He made his debut on his 19th birthday, Round 5, 2007, versus the Sydney Swans at the SCG. He was a Round 14, 2008 Rising Star nominee for his game against the Brisbane Lions Football Club. He was a runner-up in the 2013 Bluey Truscott Medal for the Melbourne Demons Best and Ferris. We welcome Colin Garland with us tonight. How are you, Cole? <laughs> Good. Um, very well, Milo. Thanks for having me. So um, hopefully it gets better in terms of guests after this. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, exciting times uh, on the podcast, mate. No, we're, we're more than wrapped to have you on the show tonight, mate. Obviously, we're just starting out new and trying to uh, touch bases with people we already have in our circle. So we really appreciate you coming on tonight, mate. No, it's good. I listened to the first podcast just to sort of get an idea of what I'd be in store for. And um, I'm just like, um, just like you blokes, I guess. Um, I just uh, grew up loving the game and still love the game and a um, bit of an impasse at the moment. But um, I was just lucky enough that I was born with a bit of natural talent and some athletic ability and I got to um, sort of achieve my dream. Yeah, so can you tell us a bit about your life growing up around football and where you're from, Cole? Um, yeah, I was I was from the northwest coast where you I left the northwest coast, you went up there, Milo, I think. Um and like my earliest memories I I was just one of those people that was just always at the footy. My dad was a trainer. Um and um he so he would travel with Wynyard every weekend and I'd be on the bus you know, five, six years of age, I'd go up with the under-19s and I'd come back with the seniors at 10 o'clock. Um, I was just obsessed, obsessed with um, sport, just like many people are. And I um, and, uh, grew up, I, was always, I always played up divisions. I wasn't allowed to play until we could tackle. <laughs> and because um, my dad was um, very opinionated that, you know, bumping is ridiculous. So... Um, I didn't get to play until grade five, until I could play high school footy. Um, and then I, I played high school footy um, until I moved town south. And then, yeah, that was that was the early go- going up. And then, um, yeah, moved to an all-boys school, Newtown High, and didn't play footy for a couple of years because um, mum and dad had split up and I actually couldn't get to training. And then, um, yeah, eventually started playing again and... Um, well, do you want me to tell the whole story, Milo? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, just keep going, mate. Yeah, we'll get, yeah, we'll get um, to anyway, mate. Yeah, so I, I'd had a couple of years off and um, I played in the under-17s in 2005 and um, going into 2006, I, I wasn't going to play um, going into year 12. And um, they were playing South Lonnie in a pracky and they've called me up to fill in for the reserves that day and... Um, I said yes if they could pick me up. <laughs> um, I played in the reserves for a half and then they pulled me off at half time. They said they'd um, uh, play me in the seniors pracky the, the game after. And I said, oh, okay. And I played the seniors pracky and they said, well, if you turn up to training, we'll play you round one. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus, okay. All right. Um, so I turned up to train that week. I, got, I still remember I got picked on the Thursday night. 
and two blokes quit the club because I'd been picked because I hadn't been training and I was a 17-year-old kid. Obviously, no one knew. And um, two blokes stormed out. And, who, were, um, who were they? Uh, they both went to Brighton. One, oh, I think one's name was Reese. But you can imagine being 17, feeling uh, absolutely horrible. I didn't care if I played seasons at all back then. But obviously, you know, blokes are given the whole pre-season and whatever, and I just showed up. And Anyway, um, that was just before my seven, uh, 18th, uh, 18th birthday. And then a year later, I made my debut for Melbourne. So it was a massive whirlwind for me. I didn't come through any of the, the pathways. Um, yeah, it was just a, it was a crazy year. I was just looking at some vision of myself playing um, last week, actually, and um, yeah, it was always, just... always good times watching yourself, isn't it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> you know about that, Milo. <laughs> yeah, very very weird. But um, yes, that was my journey. Um, then spent eleven years at Melbourne. We weren't good at all when I was there, um, but geez, I was lucky in the sense where I was because we were so poor. I got coached by. Well, I think I had eight coaches in 11 years at Melbourne, um, either head coaches or caretakers. And, um, yeah, just had some – met some great people. You know, I was coached by Neil Craig, Paul Ruse, Neil Danaher, Dean Bailey, like some unbelievable um, people that just have taught me so many life lessons as well. And um, the experience – we played a game in China. Um, You know, I visited all parts of Australia – um, you know, the game was pretty good to me. So, yeah, that, that's me in a little bit of a nutshell, boys. <laughs> yeah, good. Now, what's, what's probably number one childhood memory growing up related to football-wise, Colin? Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's probably mates, I guess. Um, I, I just think that footy for me, I was a very shy kid. Like, I had... Um, I grew up with a, an eye patch on my eye. So, I, I was... Um, you know, I wouldn't say bullied, but I was a bit of a weird kid. Like, you know, you got a patch on your eye because you're because I had an eye problem. <laughs> so, um, footy was just a way for me to express myself, and um, it was probably the only place I felt really comfortable was on the sporting field. And because um, I was I was I was a very very shy kid, so um, memories for me is just just the love of the game, mate, and something that you know when you're doing it as a full time job. I think the hardest thing transitioning to an AFL player is that your, your passion, like your release from your life actually becomes your life and then you don't have that other passion on the other side, the release um, and that's probably probably the thing I look back on now and you go, you know I, I probably didn't enjoy, enjoy the experiences I had enough but um, yeah, it's probably just the love of the game, mate, that I remember well, it probably got it probably got thrown on you really fast, didn't it? Like one one year you're 17 years old, you haven't done a preseason playing football. What four or five months later you're playing a couple of games in the in the VFL. Next minute you're yep. getting draft, drafted. Next minute you're yeah you're up you know up moving yourself from Tasmania from your mother, your your partner, your family, things like that to to a whole whole new life, mate. Like it's good. Oh, oh, big for me. Step. Yeah, for me, it was it was a massive whirlwind. I remember Hamish Ogilvie, who's now the recruiter at Adelaide, he was the Tassie coach at the time. He said, oh, it was just before, it was the day before the draft, and he rang me up and he said, oh, Cole, I actually don't think I've ever asked you, do you actually want to play AFL footy? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just such a whirlwind. and Because um, I'd never thought about it. When I got drafted, back then, you'd um, the draft was on a Saturday morning, and we didn't even have internet at our house, so we went down to my stepdad's work and sort of fired up the computer, the, you know, the old dial-up, and then um, and then I got a message saying, you know, congrats, still a D, and our, I think our internet was, you know, a couple minutes slower than the rest. <laughs> um, did, did you speak to recruiters beforehand, mate? Yeah, so I, I, I went to draft camp, um, and look, I probably spoke to more recruiters than most because no one knew who the fuck I was, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Like, I'd come from nowhere, and um, I was lucky because I was playing with Jack. Um, so, Jack Revolt was the full forward, and I was the center forward, and we had another guy called Mitch Forbes who was a forward as well. And um, So, Jack went pick 12, and Mitch Forbes went pick six. So, I was pretty lucky. They had a lot of eyes on those two. So, um, I got looked at, you know, a fair bit as well. So, yeah, I got I got interviewed by a few a lot of people, but, yeah, had absolutely no idea. Um 
where I was going to go. And when I got drafted on the Saturday, because I'd never done a pre-season before, Mum said, well, you've got a couple of months now. You better start having a run and stuff. And I said, Mum, I'm going on Monday. (laughs) 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 Uh, So she couldn't believe it either. So, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, geez, it was good experience. I got to Melbourne, actually. When I got to Melbourne, they were actually the um, highest finishing Victorian team the year before. So um, they'd won a final against St Kilda. Um, yeah, so it was um, a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, Colin, Bakesy, mate, how are you? Good, Bakesy. Good. That's the way, mate. Um, yeah, I just want to ask you uh, the transition, mate, from moving to uh, from from Hobart or Tassie to Melbourne, mate. What was that like as a young kid at that age? Yeah, it, uh, it's it's very tough, mate, and um, it's why a lot of probably country kids, area or interstate kids, or um, I don't know, even people that just you know. I was really big. I had two brothers that were a year below me and then another sort of year below that. So we were 88, 89, 90 born. So um, I'd spent every minute with them my whole life. Um, so, you know, I don't mind saying now, but the first two weeks I rang up crying every night, um, wanting to come up. Um, yeah, that's, that's just, amazing. That they used to do that then. They still do it now. I mean, you, you, you sit there and you look at the TV and you think, how come kids are wanting to come home all the time? But you don't really... Like it's easy for us to say we're not playing or we're not in that situation, but hearing from someone who was, um, it does open your eyes and realise that it's actually, yeah, not the easiest, I guess, especially in the state. Yeah, well, I just think, like, you just got to think about yourself at that age. Like, you know, when you're 17, 18, you, you just, like, you're just wanting to go to parties and going to school and playing bloody video games. and But, you know, suddenly, you know, you've got a full-time job and... I'd never cooked or cleaned for myself or done anything for that. I was living with people I, you know, I didn't know. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a massive shock, and it is definitely very hard to get used to. And I just spoke to Mitch O'Neill actually. Um, he was at my brother's business, the Wagon, the other day. He's on the Eagles list now. He's a rookie, and he's back in Tassie while this COVID's on. And I said, "Oh, how is it, mate? She's different, isn't it? He's between the eyes." And he said, "Yeah, yeah." He's just like, "I've, I've found it real hard." So I've never nothing could prepare me for it. It's <laughs> a big, big really. a, a massive difference for him, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's he's got over there and he's had four months there, and now he's back 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 at home now. So he's on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and you know, you go to an environment too, like it, like everyone's good. Like I left North Hobart, and um, you know, I was seventeen, eighteen, but. I felt I was the best player in the team. Like, um, without being arrogant, I, I just felt I was. Um, and everything was, you know, came sort of easy for me. Um, whereas you go into an AFL environment, like, you, you're back down to, you know, 44th on the list. Everyone's good. Everyone's strong. You know, everyone's fit. Um, and, you know, you've gone, geez, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I've got to bloody work hard here. Otherwise, I'm going to be out the door. Probably got the right to feel a bit arrogant, though, mate. When you never played, you haven't played footy for a few years. You rock up at you know seventeen, get picked, go out, kick, kick, ten, kick ten goals as a teenager, kick ten goals as a teenager against men. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, um, as I said, I, I, I mean, I think I've told you, Milo, but um, I was lucky, and I, I mean, I work with the state guys now, and um, you know, they're in an environment from fourteen or thirteen to you know, the year they might get drafted. Um, I just went out and played the way I played with my mates. I had no fear. Um, I just played my natural game. And I guess the naivety of not being in those programs really helped me. Um, and it was strange because I left, I left, I w- when I first met, walked into Melbourne, I thought I could really play the game. And when I left Melbourne, I didn't think I could play the game. Um, and that's, that's, what sometimes, um, you know, over coaching and just being in that environment can do to you. Yeah. All right, Carl. Well, we'll touch on your debut a bit for me. I, I think it's a pretty, pretty good story, your debut. It was your not, not 19th birthday. But yep. I can recall, I, recall, I think I've had this conversation with you before, so just let the viewers know a bit about it. But on, on your debut game, um, the current CEO of AFL Taz, Tris Scott Eyes, um, present you with your Guernsey. That, that's correct, isn't it? Yep, that's that's true. Um, so Trish well, used to be Trish Broadbridge, um, and um, her husband Troy was killed in the Boxing Day tsunami, and he wore 
20 at Melbourne and um, I was I was given that um, they sort of retired the jumper and they sort of, when I turned up, they sort of gave me the jumper. They said I sort of reminded um, Traub is a bit, a bit of a quieter guy, um, played sort of back line as well. And they said, we'll give you Troy's number. And yeah, and when I debuted, um, Trish came and presented to me, so um, which was pretty special. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. Uh, Carl, Rob here, mate. How's it going? Good, mate. Good. Uh, that's good. I'm glad I can get in and ask a question here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's good. Um, I really would like to know, um, always sort of hear all these stories about once a, once a player matures, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. So what were the f- first few seasons at the Demons like? Um, give us a bit of an insight into, is that what it's actually like? Like you have to mature to make it in the AFL, like, or does it actually take four or five seasons, or do you think you can do it straight away? What was it like? Um, look, from a strength and fitness point of view, I would say it definitely takes three to four seasons to start hitting somewhere around your peak and sort of knowing how to train. Like, I mean, I don't know if you guys are watching the Last Dance doco at the moment. Um, but I've seen, like, you know, Dennis Rodman and Pippen and that, they get picked at 21. <laughs> it's a bit different than getting picked at 18. Um, you, you know, they've had year, a couple of years to get in the gym and, you know, work on their craft and their technical ability. You don't have that at AFL level. So, well, when you yeah. say that, I noticed the other day, Scotty Pendlebury said, how about we lift the draft age to, you know, a four-year system, a bit like a college sort of system, and if you're not if you're not picked in the first round of the draft pick, you have to go get, go to school or get a, get a trade. You know, only yeah. first-year draft picks can play in the first year. But, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I, and I'm a big one for that, Milo. I, I think 18 is too young. I don't think you don't know yourself as a person. You don't know yourself as a player. You're not ready physically. There are the freaks like you. You're going to get a Joel Selwood at 18 walk into a premiership team. There's going to be freaks every year. But the majority, the rule is um, you're probably not going to be ready. And and for the clubs too, like you draft a player in the national draft now, that's a $500,000 investment, not just in terms of just paying the person, but the resources they put into that player, it's 500000 It's about two hundred fifty k a year. Um, so, like, you know, you might see this 18-year-old's got talent and whatever, but you might not actually know if they want to play the game. Like, they haven't had to get up at 6 a.m. and go to work um, and then train afterwards. Um, so, I mean, we were lucky. We trained in the same facility as the Melbourne Storm. And, um, you know, the way that Bellamy would deal with their young players compared to some of the AFL guys was quite different. Like, Craig would um, – he'd send the guys to work for the first month and then they'd train in the afternoon. So, because um, he wanted to know if they wanted to be there enough. So um, no, I'm I'm a big one. I think um, it definitely needs to be raised. I, I, to be honest, I don't reckon I don't reckon my whole career um, I actually trained the way I should have trained. Um, like I feel like I was always a person that trained all the time, um, and I I did my program to a T and I barely missed a training session at all. Um, but um, on reflection, um, I probably didn't do, didn't seek other ways of doing stuff. And um, that probably hurt me in terms of injury injuries. And um, I probably thought, you know, I could just do the program and that would get me fit. But I think since leaving the program and sort of looking into stuff more, I probably could have done other, other things to, um, to get better. What things were they, Cole? If you can specify. Um, I, I just think um, the off-legs training in terms of, say, boxing and bike and swimming and stuff, I never really did that. I always used to do the running program and then I would, you know, I'd got get a lot of foot injuries. Um, and I probably, in the breaks, in the 10 weeks that, you might, you know, you're at home, I probably didn't touch the balls enough. And because um, I'd always sort of be on my own, I'd use that as an excuse where, well, I can't really have a kick with anyone, but... Um, on reflection, I, I probably should have been doing that more. And um, but the thing, biggest thing I got out of my career is I, I never, I don't think I ever believed in myself enough to, um, even when I was, um, I, I, even when I was getting, I was in the team every week for probably, you know, eight years. And even when I was, I think I fi- finished top ten in the BNF like seven years in a row. 
I never got your felt, statue, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never felt comfortable in the team, and I think that really impacted um, my performance in the game. In, in games, um, it was probably why I was a really good defensive player, but didn't really contribute much offensively because I just I didn't really believe. I was a big self doubter, and um, yeah. and then I uh, had a, couple, a coach towards the end of my career that made me self doubt myself even more. And um, and then who is that? Uh, Maka McCartney. Oh, yeah. Who's a good coach. Um, but, you know, there was reasons he left the dogs. And, um, yeah, like, um, I mean, I could tell you stories where I'd, I was playing really good VFL footy and, um, you know, he just ripped me at half time. Like, it was um, – and say that I didn't care and stuff. And for me, I always felt like I did care. Um, and that was probably – I would I'd like to think that – you know, anybody that played with me say that would say that I was a really a caring person. Um, so as soon as that stuff started happening, I was, um, I was basically, I'd, I'd, I'd finished. Uh, Colin, you said to uh, Rob just before that you were more defensive-minded than attacking-minded. But like I said, as an Essendon fan, um, <laughs> I do remember the game where you won the game for the. I'll say that you won the game for the Demons <laughs> off your own boot. You was a zip of nine. We were eight and one. Um, biggest upset of the year, they called it. Yeah, well. Um, well, Bomb would know him. I have a very good mate that goes to the Bombers. Um, <laughs> and we'd, we always used to joke that um, I wanted to play better against them. But, um, yeah, the coach came to me midweek and said, we're going to try you forward because we were obviously struggling. We hadn't won a game. And, um, yeah, it was, that was a great night, that one. I'll remember it for the rest of my life. But, um, that, yeah, that it was, was um, that, fun times. And, uh, <laughs> that was absolutely one, one of a bigger underdog wins off I've seen. Like, Bombers were 8-1, and one, sitting at 140 plus percentage. Demons had an well, average, uh, average of 10-goal lo- losing you know, in each game usually. You were sitting with 50% at the bottom of the ladder, mate. Like, yeah, I think we were win. paying 17 bucks head-to-head. And um, I think we were paying 17 Like, don't quote not me that on that. We, but... Not that we encourage you. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, actually, funny story about that. I actually had the first two shots on goal once when I was a defender against West Coast. Um, and my brother, my older brother, always used to put five bucks on me for the first goal. <laughs> and um, anyway, he'd actually made a slip and actually accidentally put 500 on me, which he was spewing about because he lost all his money out of his account. <laughs> but I, I, had the, I had the first two shots on goal. So, anyway, oh, no. on Monday... Um, yeah, the AFL. I got called in the AFL and I was getting investigated for <laughs> leaking information. But, um, yeah, luckily it was just a... Um, I hadn't changed starting positions or anything because they said, oh, your brother's put 500 on you. At, you know, at 80-something dollars to kick the first goal. <laughs> You've had the first two shots. <laughs> um, so if I'd kicked it, it would have been unbelievable. But, um, yeah, anyway. But, no, it was a good win, that one. And, um, yeah, Miles will say, my, my good mate, Palmer, he's a massive... Um, Essen fans, so it was um, even better to beat him. Shout out, oh. shout out to Tom listening. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a good bloke, eh? It's weird. It's one memory that does stick with me, though, from you, Colin. When I think about AFL football, I do remember that night because I remember things of, of passion and, and, and jubilation, I suppose. I just remember seeing you know, Mark Neal jump into your arms. Like, that was a pretty, yeah. pretty big moment. Yeah, well, Neildy obviously had a uh, rough touch. Like, I um, I yeah, I didn't have a good relationship with Mark in terms of, I guess I played my best footy under Neildy, but um, yeah, um, it was wasn't a very good time for us. Um, but yeah, I remember um, I got a message after that saying, oh, this photo could be worth something some one day. And I wrote back, who's this? And he said, it's Dildy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, awkward. But, um, yeah, yeah no, that's footy for you, I guess. Would yeah. that be one of your biggest games you've played in, Cole? I mean, you did touch on the fact that when you got to Melbourne, they weren't an overly strong side. So you did yeah. never get the chance to play in an AFL final. So what were your biggest games that you played when you were at the D's? Yeah, um, no, I didn't. I didn't play in a final, um, and there was my good mate Lyndon Dunn too, who's still on Collins' list. And <laughs> now with Corona, now with coronavirus and doing his knee last year, he um, he might not to either. I, I guess the Queen's birthdays are always big. Yeah. Um, uh, we used to when we were 
winning games under Bay. It was like we had a bit of a rivalry with Richmond. Um, and then I guess when you go into state, there are always those games are, are always packed in terms of when you go to West Coast or Adelaide. Um, but generally against the bigger clubs, you get um, um, bigger crowds. But yeah, I've never never played in a final. I've never actually won a grand final at any level in any age group. Either of I, mate. So. Either of I, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was so, it like playing in a, in a VFL grand final then, Carl? Uh, I, I loved... Um, so that was 2016. We had a really, really strong VFL team. So like Clayton Oliver and a few other guys were playing. And um, Yeah, it was... A re- we, we'd, been, we'd beaten Footscray by 75 points two weeks before and then they flogged us in the granny, which was a bit of a turn-up. So... Um, yeah, it was fun uh, until obviously the third quarter when they kicked sort of ten goals, and then it was a bit of a nightmare. So, um, but uh, that 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 was my favourite season I've ever had. I was even though I was in the VFL, um, um, I was really I really enjoyed my my year, my last year, but until the pre-season after when I did my knee. But um, yeah, that was my favourite year of footy ever. I guess because I hadn't won consistently for so long, and I think we won sixteen games in a row or something in that year. So. Um, it was fun times. Oh, it was Casey, was it? Casey Scorpions, was it? Yeah, Casey's Casey, uh, well, Demons now, but they were Scorpions at the time. Um, yeah, yeah. And it sort of reminded me of my first year when I got drafted, I played with Sandringham, who'd won three VFL flags in a row. It sort of reminded me of that. So, um, yeah, VFL is a good standard. Whether it comes back, though, I'm not sure, but um, it's definitely yeah. um, good standard. Best, just, like, give us, just give us your best opponent. Um, and your best you played with? Yeah, well, at the time, like, you wouldn't get much sleep um, playing on some of the players I've played on. But um, I just, when I look back on it now, just to be able to say, I mean, I I played on Dangerfield, I played on Ablett, uh, I played on Franklin when he was, you know, probably one of the best players ever when, you know, through 08 to 16 period, I played on Cyril... Um, like Robbie Gray, like I just was so lucky in the end to play on a, a raft of these guys, and I could sort of play tall or small. So I generally got if their good player was resting forward from the mid, I would play on them, and or if not, I'd play on those really athletic guys. So, um, but Franklin, Franklin, in terms of um, a fear factor and just his presence on the ground was. Um, Especially when he was up and going, there, there was nothing like him in the AFL. Like you just, um, and especially the way Hawthorne would play back then, um, he was a freak. But um, yeah, I was. I mean, yeah, I mean, just so many. Mark Lacroix was a very good player, um, very underrated player, but um, just learned so much from playing on all those guys. So um, I think yeah. I think that one of the best things I used to have was when Bernie Vince won the best and fairest at Melbourne in his second year there, I would always, he would always tag, say, Dangerfield in, and then I would play on him forward. And um, when he won the best and fairest, he, he he sent me a message saying, like, the way I'd shut down him forward to have to make him come into midfield, helped him and helped him win a um, best and fairest was, they're the things that you, you really cherish and stuff like that. So um, that was the stuff I loved doing. And to be honest, I probably got my ass kicked against players that weren't good. Um, but I was always sort of up for the battle against um, the better players well, most of the time. Franklin, anyway. Franklin's scary enough to look at on TV. I'd hate to stand next to him on the MCG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially um, back in the day. Yeah, no. He never liked me too. I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't like me, but he always used to try and punch me and shit. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because you were good, mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Oh, well, no. actually, I played on Feb in his very last game. That was interesting. Um, oh. Have I told you a story, Miles? No, nah, I haven't heard it. So, Fev, Fev's last ever game of AFL footy, I played on him. And um, before the game, he he tweeted, he's going to kick seven goals. And um, and I, I was never on – I'm still not on Twitter and all that. And I was like – and then Brad Miller told me before the game, he's like, oh, Fev's tweeted he's going to kick seven tonight. And I've gone, okay, because I never would talk or anything on the ground, rarely. Um and then the first quarter and a half, I was all over him. Like he, I was spoiling him and all this stuff. And then he's 
he's bent down and you could actually hear when his groin ripped, it was, he'd done his groin. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like, you know, when you take meat from a bone, that was that's what it sounded like. And um, so then all of a sudden, someone said something to him about, oh, you're just faking it, Fev. But it wasn't me. <laughs> and anyway, he turned around, he got, got me in a headlock. I, honestly, I, I, I was all close to being blacked out. And anyway, um, he got reported for it. And on the Monday, um, you had to go into AFL House, sort of like a tribunal thing. And um, so I've gone into this meeting and Feb's already talking through the phone. So I've sat down, not said a word, and they haven't told him, Feb, though, that I'm in the room. And he's gone, oh, yeah, this Garland, he was saying this, he was stamping on my foot. He was punching me in the stomach. He was doing this, which none of it was true. What a snitch. (laughs) (laughs) He was just trying to get the fine lesson. And and then the judicator has gone, oh, and Cole, what's your retort to that? And then suddenly suddenly Feb's gone, oh, Cole, are you in the room? I'm like, yeah. Because he'd sent me a message earlier in the day saying, you know, can you just say, like, it was a bit of fun, you know. He goes, yeah, I walked in on the room. He's just fucking trying to set me up to get me fun. Oh. Oh, well, this is, this is what we spoke about last, last episode, mate. <laughs> trying to get each other up at the tribunal. So. Yeah, and I, and I was all for it. I was just going to go and say, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, but in, in the end, I said, no, I didn't do anything to him. He just got me in the headlock after he ripped his groin and tried to, <laughs> tried to get me unconscious. Um, but we later played – he later played at Casey. Um, and, um, yeah, he was, was actually a good fella. So, <laughs> we laughed about that. But I think he got a $6,000 fine, so. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> yeah, Cole, um, yeah, you sort of touched on Bernie Vince there a little bit. But who would you say, like, some of the Demons players that you played with that were maybe big influences on your career or just out and out, like, the, the good players that you played with at the Z's over your career? Yeah. Um, oh, James McDonald had the biggest impact on me from a player's perspective, like um, he, so David Neitz was the captain when I first got there, but in the second year, um, James McDonald took over for a few years. Um, and um, like at the time he was, you know, he was, he was pretty ruthless on me, um, but um, he could, he just knew when I, cause I was tended to zone in and zone out sometimes. Um, and he just knew how to get me back. And like, so he had training and he'd come back and, he just he just hit you. He just run past and, and just punch you because um, he just didn't think you were switched on, or just to make sure you were switched on or whatever. And um, team meetings, you know, he'd call you out if you weren't protecting people off the line. Or um, I remember one time my opponent sped in off the line and, and took someone out. And um, you know, in the team meeting, he's like, you know, you, you know, you effing can't let this happen to your mates and stuff. And at the time, you're embarrassed and stuff, but. Um, you know, it made me just grow as a person and it really impacted what I valued. Um, but, and he, and he just got the best out of himself as well. Um, obviously, I played a lot of footy with Nathan Jones and um, we sort of came through together and played, you know, 150 games together. So he had he's a big a impact nut. on, yeah, he's a tough nut and um, he just trained himself into an AFL player. He probably had no right in terms of his natural ability, but, um, his work ethic, you know, still to this day, he's still working hard. Um, mm. So I guess him and then um, just the, probably the, the Indigenous boys I played with, like Liam Jara um, was the most, he's the most skillful footballer I've ever seen. Um, you know, and, and that's even with Franklin and all that, like he was unbelievable. Some of the stuff he would do at training and stuff like that, you know, will stick with me for life. But um so probably those guys and then towards the end of my career, um, you know, the guys I had coming through, um, Clayton Oliver and um and Angus Brayshaw, Christian Petrarca and all that, you can tell we're gonna be really good players and um and obviously then um me and mate Gorney. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> who um who uh, who, who um, we touch base uh, with at Boxing Day in regards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me and Molo ran into him at the cricket. Yeah, right. I hope you didn't run into him too hard. Um, but uh, obviously, to see his growth um, as a person and the player he became, we could always tell he was going to become that player, whether he was going to um, allow himself to become that with his off-field stuff was another thing. But um, mm. to see that he's captain now and stuff like that is um, is obviously a good thing. 
Is he good pizzas and smoking durries? That gives us all hope, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he did. He, um, he, uh, well, actually, Kyle Chaney, who went to Hawthorne and Adelaide, um, he turned up to training once at Casey and he's like, oh, Kyle, I've got something to tell you. I don't know if I should tell anyone else. And I was like, oh, what's happened? He's like, I just seen Gorney having a smoke out of his car on the way home, uh, on the way to trip. <laughs> <laughs> and Gorney, Gorney had been at the play. Gorney had been, uh, he'd been drafted maybe a week before. So, like, no one knew him. And he was just this weird-looking unit from Sandringham. <laughs> and um, we were just in hysterics. We couldn't believe someone was <laughs> smoking on the way. And then, so, anyway, people had to go. But then he kept getting seen smoking, like, in a car park or whatever. And then eventually we had to say, mate, you know, you're an AFL player. You can't smoke. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of those things with Gorney. But now he's, like, one of the most professional blokes out there. He doesn't touch sugar. And, you know, he's, he's one of the hardest workers. But, yeah, it's, um, he's come a long way. Yeah, well, <laughs> Carl, I'm going through some stats of one particular year of yours. And I'll rattle a couple off for the people listening. But this is a pretty unbelievable year. Uh, yeah. two, and you tell me if you know the year or you will know it straight away. But um, you're, you're a runner-up in the best and fairest by five votes, I believe. And I'm pretty sure you missed one game that year. I've heard the story that you, you think you're up to the wrong with the words. Yeah, your words. Yeah, that might work. Fifteenth in the AFL for one percenters. Twentieth in the AFL for rebound fifties. Number one at the Demons for most minutes played for the year. He won the Bron Barassi Leadership Award. Second in the best and fairest, like I touched on. That's a pretty bloody good year, mate. Yeah, it was, and I, I think it was probably, um, as I was saying before, probably one of the only years I um, wasn't probably caught up in just doubting myself. I think because um, it was it was the hardest year in terms of footy. Of my life, um, we had well, we lost. We just the place was just an absolute joke in terms of the coaching department. And you could tell, you could tell Neil Deal was going to get sacked even before the season. It was just not working. Um, the place was like going to prison every day um, in terms of being. And I just think that, that something clicked in my head, and uh, I needed to. Um, to start to stand up for some of the players in around around the team, but um, yeah, um, unfortunately, Milo it was a good year, but um, I think we only won two games, and um, I don't really look back on it fondly um, yeah. at the t- at, as well. So something like fifteenth in the AFL for one percent, you know, shows that you, you do the little things that you that you want out of your teammates and things like that. Mate. So it's not fifteenth yeah. out of that many players is a bloody good effort. Yeah, no, no, and I think that was that was my thing. I think that was I was always about one percenters and what I could do for the team. Um, yeah, um, but it was it was a tough year. Like I mean, Nildy left I think halfway through the year, um, but it was a real tough. Like it was real tough mentally, and um, yeah, it was it was it was a shock. Well, number number one for minutes played the demons and. That's, uh, I'm guessing you would have got pretty peppered with only two wins for the year for number one minute play down the back line, mate. Well, hence why I probably got so many one percenters, Milo. <laughs> 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 yeah, fair call, mate. Now you're right, mate. Go. Oh, I was just going to say, but I was lucky enough through the Neil era that I the best coach I ever had was um, was Neil Craig, and he came to help Nildy, and then ended up taking over the back half of that year. And um, he was he's just unbelievable, Craig. I think since he let he, he obviously coached Adelaide, but then since us, he's worked with the English rugby union team and stuff. And um, yeah, I feel like I really grew um, as sort of as, as an adult under under Craig. I learned a lot of a lot of things about work ethic. Craig, he would get there at five a.m. and and, and leave at 9pm And that wasn't to make a point That was just how hard he worked And um, he was a great example of a, of a coach That's for sure You still chat with him? Um, here and there Like he's um, He's mad as a cut snake Like he'll just ring you You know <laughs> Spur of a moment um, You know On away trips He'd just sit there with a highlighter pen And reading books Just highlighting things in books Like he was the most educated, uneducated person probably in Australia. Like, um, 
yeah, he's um, he's a different beast, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, um, I'll tell you what, Cole. Uh, Milo's always the first to remind me that I've never won a premiership. Um, <laughs> I'd, ne- I'd never try and <clears throat> never try and compare myself to an AFL player, but Milo has given me a stat from uh, your career at uh, 34 wins, two draws, 105 losses at 24.82 percent. Like, did that affect your game? Or your mentality, like, um, you know, with the media and everything surrounding that sort of record? Um, yeah, I think it did, yeah. Um, I think I said earlier in the, um, the program, I went in with um, a lot of confidence. But when, there's no doubt in my mind when I left footy, I, I sort of said to my partner and to myself, I was never going to do it ever again. Um, because... Um, yeah, because of that, just losing so much, it, it does get to you eventually, and um, you know, and you, and you start to really doubt, um, you know, your ability. Um, and and like Milo might say, or Milo could tell you as well. Like when I came back and played a bit of TCL in the last couple of years, I was very dominant, um, but um, you know, I I I just didn't believe I could play the game like anymore. So. Um, it definitely did affect me a lot um, and it probably has taken you know a couple of years. and you know I don't look on back on my career um, you know really favorably because I mean not only did we not play finals but there was you know numerous teams I never beat in 11 years um, which is crazy to think about really but um, yeah. yeah it just it just didn't happen <laughs> like for me like it'd be probably or if there's 18 teams or 17 other teams, I only think I had actually beat seven teams or something like that. It was um, wow. ridiculous. So, um, yeah, so, no, it definitely did. Um, definitely did affect me. Um, but coming back and playing a little bit more state footy and local footies really helped me with that. Like, I've, you know, I've been able to just sort of play and enjoy it again. And, you know, you can remind yourself, okay, I'm not actually you know, a horrible person because we're losing all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cole, you've um, obviously just recently retired um, in the last yep. couple of years. Can you just tell us or touch on, uh, we obviously know here, us three boys, but can you just touch on um, the end at the D's and how did it come to sort of an abrupt end? Yep. I um, oh, I played a uh, practice match against West Coast um, and played okay, played well. And, um, that preseason was the best preseason I'd ever done. Um, I came back sort of no chance of playing um, probably again, really. But I still had two years in on my contract. So, um, you know, it was really tough turning up to training because I was getting driven really, really, really hard um, by, you know, Brendan McCartney especially. Um, but I really put my head down um, and um, worked really hard got myself into that West Coast team, played well. And I was going to play round one against St Kilda, Milo's mob, um, and they said, oh, look, you need some more game time. We're going to play you for three quarters in the VFL. And I was, and I was like, yeah, no worries, better than sort of training. And, um, yeah, I went and did my knee. Um, and uh, it was probably 10 seconds of agony, and then I, I didn't feel much pain, but I sort of knew I'd done my knee. Um, and then getting stretched off, I'd sort of... I, you know, I sort of knew that was going to be the last time I, I'd ever play. Um, and then, but I still had a year to go on my contract after that year, so I knew I was going to miss the year, and then I'd have another year on my contract. But um, I, on, I was looking at it like selfishly, I could have played on and not really had the drive to to compete and to train anymore. Um, whereas I just said to the club. Look, I think it's better if a young player has that spot and, um, and I'll sort of move on with the rest of my life. So um, sort of gave up my spot on the list and started coaching um, in the – as a, being a development coach and also coaching in the women's stuff. And that um, – yeah, very uh, selfless act, mate, and it must be commended. Um, I know it's easy to say, Jeez. but um, it is it is a big thing to do, giving up your spot. I mean, we've just recently seen Tommy Boyd, I think, do the same for the dogs recently. So, I mean, it's it's tough when you've got all that money in front of you, but to do it, mate, very selfless and uh, it must be commended. Yeah, well, uh, like, I always felt like um, – I'm, I'm an action person, uh, as Milo could probably tell you with some of the uh, – 
uh, local footy stuff. And um, I, I, I knew I couldn't look my teammates in the eyes, especially because I was, you know, best mates with some of them. And if I didn't have the drive to compete and to make them better, they needed, you know, 44 guys that wanted to do that. And, um, yeah, and, and it's funny now because you sit here and you go, uh, you know, it's, it's a, obviously a bit of money to give up or, um, you know, more knowing that for the rest of your life. And um, I'm, I'm very happy with the decision I made. Um, and then and then was really happy, obviously, in the in the coaching area that I was I was doing at Melbourne and, um, as well. So, um, yeah, it was all good. Can you just touch on your coaching just a little bit, mate, for us? Some of us don't really know that you did go into coaching there for a while. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, so I coached for um, five or six months, really enjoyed it. Um, then, unfortunately, my, my dad got um, stage four esophagus cancer, um, which was really tough. I'd been away since I was 18 and um, sort of living in, in um, Victoria. My family was in Tassie and he sort of sent me a message just saying, you know, follow your, keep following your dreams or whatever and, um, you know, don't worry me, I was fine. And um, he sort of sent me the same message when I left because I was really worried about as worried about leaving mum and and that stuff and um and I at the time I was like yeah okay I'll follow my dream and play for footy and when it was sort of 11 years later my actual dream I felt no I want to I want to be around my family and um be be with him for you know the last you know three or four months that he was going to be around so I um I gave up my job in Melbourne and, and moved back home to Tassie and you are obviously still there now, mate. Um, yeah, playing, playing these days in Tassie. <laughs> uh, look, uh, maybe this year. I'm 32 tomorrow. I'm actually, for a birthday, um, birthday um, mate. Happy birthday yeah, Look, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. A couple of hours. Um, I'm not sure, mate. I, I still feel like I have a lot to give. Um, my body's really good. Unfortunately, I went back to my local club to help them out, and that sort of hasn't ended well. So um, I sort of can't really play at the moment in terms of contractually. Um, hopefully, I'll get a couple of games for an old school as like just in the um, comp down here. But um, yeah, I, I, hopefully next year I'll be allowed to play in the um, the Tassie State League if it's around down here. But um, I don't think I'll be able to because the rules down here, even if you're out of contract the club that you played with last in that competition still has rights in terms of you. So, um, yeah, it just yeah. sort of means I can't play. So, um, sort of with, forcibly with, retired. Can you play interstate? Yeah, I can play interstate and everything. I just can't play in the if, same... If, that, if they want to mm. Yeah, so they can... Um, um, it's just, it's just weird, like, even though if you don't know the club anything and you're not in contract, they still need to clear you and they can still ask for an exorbitant amount of money, which um, obviously clubs just can't afford these days. So, which just means I'm, um, I'm, I'm helping out with a bit of the state stuff. Um, obviously, before that went down, I was, um, I was coaching the forward line there and um, doing some tackle and coaching and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'd love to keep playing, but I just don't think there's a way I can, unfortunately. <laughs> do, you, do you see the CAC Cup going ahead this year, mate? As you say, you're assistant coach and one of the forwards coaches for the, for the Devils. Yeah. Um, oh, look, if it is, it would be a modified, um, very modified, um, maybe like the old Div 2 where you play Queensland NT and stuff once and maybe a couple of Tack Cup games. The problem with Tassie is that we've got to fly to play. And yeah, um, the one, you know, the cost, the quarantine. Um, yeah, but I mean, if the AFL doesn't get going, you know, there's not going to be much money for these programs to get involved, um, for the kids to, to be involved in. I still see there'll be a few games, but um, not as many as we would have had, obviously. And there'll still be a draft and stuff like that. But um, yeah, everything's up in the air a little bit at the moment. So just going back two steps, mate, where you forcibly retired. Yep. <laughs> um, I know you. I know all about you. And I know how passionate you are about that football club. So, how how does that sit with you having been then that way? Oh, it feels shocking. Like it feels feels shocking. Um, you know, so obviously my last game. Um, you know, I sort of walked in when I went back to North Hobart. Um, 
my first couple of training sessions, I was actually stunned about how far um, the club was behind in terms of um, AFL knowledge and what they were doing and some of the setup at the club. I actually couldn't believe it. I was, I was in shock. And um, so I sort of committed to trying um, helping that, even though I probably shouldn't have been playing at the time. You know, I was only, you know, 10 months back from the knee reco, but, you know, that's the type of person I am. But, uh, yeah, and then tried to do, do my best, mate, but it was just one of those things there. Um, as I said, I'm an action person, and when things weren't getting action that were – nothing to do with money or anything. I actually never asked for a cent while I was there or anything. I just wanted to help the club. But, um, and anyway, it's ended really badly. <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but I, I did I did play the year out as Milo knows. And, um, you know, we, we got a couple of wins, which were which were good. But, um, you know, a Tassie footy, and I think I played a couple of games in regional Victoria with a mate of mine, Jordan McKenzie, who I played at Melbourne. Re- community football in, t- in Australia is, is, is in trouble. Like, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, it's not natural for kids to go to the footy every weekend now. You know, they're picking up iPads and, you know, playing Xbox and PS4 and stuff. There just isn't the uh, interest that there was. Um, and a lot of the process in, in community-based footy clubs are still stuck in the dark ages um, and still expect this stream of kids coming through. And it's just not the case, especially down here in Tassie. I was going to coach my brother-in-law's under-16 team um, who were in North Hobart this year. And we were struggling to get a team, which, you know, Milo would just be shocked at because North Hobart's one of the bigger clubs down here. Um, but that's just how it is. I mean, I teach at Kingston High which is one of the biggest suburbs down here in Tassie and no one's kicking the footy at all on the oval, like no one. The only person on the oval was me doing my running at, at lunchtime. So um, I think uh, you'd hope that they use this break in the game for a positive thing in terms of where does where does the money go? Does it go to elite pathways and potential VFL teams and stuff like that? Or does it go to, you know, just helping community clubs get through and, I think the notion of everyone getting paid to play senior footy um, down here has to end <laughs> because clubs just can't afford to do it anymore. Now, Cole, I was going to ask you um, about the state of footy in Tassie, but we don't have another three hours, mate. So I'm going to, <laughs> as a passionate Tasmanian, me and Milo, um, we've got our views on footy in Tasmania, but like I said, that's another that's for another day. But I am going to throw yeah. to Rob. There's a question that we want to ask you about a certain high school oh, grand yeah. final. A certain oh, no. high school grand final. <laughs> Two, um, 2003, uh, yeah. uh went to extra time or something. Penguin versus yeah. Newtown, was it? No, I don't actually know what you're talking about. Because uh, <laughs> I actually don't know the story, Cole. So Milo hasn't okay, told me this I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story. I'm sure Milo hasn't mentioned it. Milo <laughs> jumps, jumps ship just like a traders do. Um, and left and left for Penguin. Anyway, um, I was a year below Milo, so he's lucky I wasn't grade 10. But um, we were an all-boys school of 800, and we were obviously 800 boys to choose from. You're going to be pretty strong. Um, and we beat the Lonnie team, and the Northwest team, I think, had gone straight through that year. So we went to the Northwest to play in the state final, and we played Penguin, who were... We, we're going up. We heard they had 80 boys in their school or something like that. So we were expecting it to be pretty cruisy. And um, yeah, anyway, it was a hotly contested game. Very hotly. I think Milo's jumper got ripped in half, which he denies, but it did actually get. <laughs> I, I did actually see him get ripped to the ground um, in a scuffle, as typical Milo. Um, but yeah, and um, it ended up a draw, extra time. And then I think it was a double extra time, Milo. Yeah, mate, it was a double extra time thriller. <laughs> it was a double extra, a double extra time, and um, and Penguin got up. So to Milo's credit, a, a little school in the you know middle of nowhere really beat um this massive all boys school, and we had some unbelievable players. But it was one of those golden eras, I think, for Penguin. They had some very good players, and I think the player I played on got best on. So <laughs> oh. um, Milo yes, told Milo, me he got Milo, best on, but. 
I still remember going down with cramp in that second part of double extra time and I could not move. I couldn't move at all. And the ball come, ball come flying down our end and, that, and Sam Thomas took a mark. I couldn't get up off the ground fast enough. And he missed the goal, yeah. which cost you guys the game. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. And, um, yeah. But then, uh, yeah, Milo, um, he was number one. Going up on the bu- bu- uh, bus, everyone was talking about how we were going to punch his head in. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, never, it never happened. Because, um, so, um, yeah, my good mate Pom had worded us all up to make sure we, we belted him. Um, Tom, <laughs> And um, anyway, no, very good. He's got that on me, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, mate, I've got one more one I want to bring up to your attention. And you call me a trailer a bit, and I moved up young when I was not from a family. Not, and you boys still give me stick now that you call me a, a Queenslander now. Yeah, we do. But I'm pretty sure, mate, you spent three quarters of your life before you moved to drafted on the northwest coast of Tassie. So what do you class yourself as a, a northwest coast kid or do you class yourself as a, a Hobart snob? Oh, uh, that's that's tough. I, I would say well it depends what side of the family I'm talking to. Um no I am I'm, I'm proud to be a Northwest Coaster. Um I think uh some of the traits I got from the Northwest I still have today. Um so no, proud, I'm a proud Northwester, but I've still I've got a bit of south of me, unfortunately, for my life, for your in your sake. So, um, bit a bit of both, mate. But my um, my family and my cousins and stuff, um, yeah, they were synonymous with Northwest. So I can't um, I can't. My my dad was one of thirteen, and my mum was one of twelve. So I've got cousins coming out of everywhere, oh, boys. Holy yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you some stories about that, but um, I think. When my grandmother died, I think she had 121 grandchildren, great grandchildren, great great grandchildren. Um, it was it was ridiculous. So, yeah. Anyway, the Tasmanian population down there. That's There's nothing else to do, that's mate. Two, that's 242 heads, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Good math. Got better beer in Hobart. I reckon they've got better beer in Hobart anyway. I'm a Northwest Coaster, but I'm a Cascade fan. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Cole, what I need and what, what I really want to hear is just one loose uh, footy trip story from a Demons player. <laughs> come on. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, Where'd you go? What, what was the good one? Where'd you used to go? Normally Bali, obviously. Um, the China, oh, Well, we went to China. So we, when I mentioned earlier, we played in China. And... Um, it was in the off-season, so we said, okay, we'll just have that as our footy trip either after the game or before the game. And anyway, when the itinerary came out, we were there for nine days playing the game and then leaving straight after. So we are like, well, we're going to have to have the footy trip before the game. And um, <laughs> going over, when we rocked up, I was thinking, fuck, we can't you know, be on the piss for five days straight and then try and play against Brisbane. But Brisbane were doing the same thing. Um, and this was when Fev and all that were over there. So, um, anyway, oh, well, it's not a middle place, so it doesn't matter. Um, Fev, Fev, Fev was unbelievable over there. But um, we, got back to, we got back to the hotel one night at like 4 a.m. And um, Fev came steaming through the lobby, like sprinting as quick as you can in just boxes, nothing else on him. And uh, um, I was like, what the fuck? And then he stopped when me and Chipper Frawley were walking in. And he goes, oh, have you guys seen four... Uh, who kind of people watch, listen to this show? <laughs> Does it matter? No, we're not. No, you're not. Four, 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 four ladies of the night walk past. <laughs> um, you know, in other words. And, um, and I was like, nah, nah. And he's like, oh. He's like, I knew I shouldn't have taken four into my room. And we said, oh, what's happened, mate? And he goes, oh... One of them was distracting me, and then another one was distracting me. And anyway, they've taken me wallet, they've taken me phone, <laughs> they've taken, they've taken everything. He's like, I've got literally nothing left. They've taken me passport, and we've gone. Yeah, okay. Well, you've got four prostitutes in your room. Like it's a bit of overkill. <laughs> um, anyway, we we said, oh, we'll try and help you, mate. And we spoke to the security guard. And anyway, the security guard comes back to him, and he's like, yeah, you've got to pay two thousand dollars. And Feb's like, I can't, you know, I don't have my card. And the security guard's like, well, I can get your card for you. 
you've got to pay $2,000 to them to get it back. Anyway, so it ended up costing Fev about 5K to get his phone and his passport and stuff back. I was like, this absolute sham. And anyway, Fev was unbelievable on that trip. He um, stole a couple of balls of Moe at his club, then was bragging about it to us while we were sitting there with the owner. He didn't realise it was the owner. <laughs> and then, and these, these clubs in Shanghai, like the security guards, and I kid you not, the two security guards were midgets. With mohawks that had AK 47s on them. (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden, like, Feb's getting escorted out by these two midgets with fucking uh, machine guns (laughs) with the owner taking out the back. We're like, oh, he's just gonna gonna kill. yeah, so apart from that, the other footy trip stories, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, they're more, <laughs> I'll keep to myself. Yeah, they were more you, funny mate. ones, but... Um, Who won that what, game, uh, Who won that game over there? We did, actually. Liam Jarrett oh, five yeah. goals in the last <laughs> quarter. And, um, five goals in the last quarter? It was quarter. amazing going... Um, yeah, no, it was crazy. And um, it was actually amazing because um, if you guys remember Matthew Bate, the redhead that used to play for Melbourne. <laughs> Ma- um, Master Bate. He, yeah, because of his red hair, um, he couldn't go outside because they were so obsessed with the colour red there. Because it was so red, um, they'd never seen anything like it. So um, they'd come up to him and they just wouldn't leave him alone. So he ended up having to lock himself in his hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like any, uh, that's like any white fella with blonde hair that goes, or a bit of chub on him that goes to Sri Lanka. Apparently, you warn him, you shame warn. <laughs> so you get that in places. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's good. Don't you? Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, Thanks very much for coming on tonight, Carl. It's been muchly appreciated, mate, taking your time out on a nice, cold Hobart night to have a chat to us, mate. <laughs> no worries. I'll probably dribble it on a bit. But, um, yeah, good luck with the show, boys. Good luck. No, um, no, thanks, no worries, mate. Isolation's thanks, a bit mate. tough, so it's good to chat a little bit um, and, um, yeah, chat some old stories. So. Hopefully the um, hopefully the restrictions get lifted and my wedding goes ahead in November. And uh, I'll see you there, Carl. Oh, Jesus. I hope you haven't done any um, free payments, mate. I hope you're going to get some money back. He doesn't. We might have to have the well, reception at the wagon and horses. Yeah, I <laughs> Grass is already banned. He knows that. Oh, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. All right. No worries, guys. Nice to meet you. Right. you go. Right, Thanks, Carl. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your time. Well, hey, boys, how was that? That was good. Yeah, ripper of episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it was good. Couldn't have asked for a more welcoming guest to come on and share his stories with us. Oh, uh, look, I mean, what our second episode and bang, mate, you know, ex-AFL player and um, Cole Garland and look, what an insight into, you know, AFL football and the, and the program and you boys would have loved that, eh, Tazzy boy? Look at yours. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very good. Like I said, he's, um, it's just a, it's a different story you hear to a lot of the ones these days, isn't it? You know, kid hasn't played much football all through through school. And I remember like having a kick with him in, when, he, when I was still at Newtown High, on the bottom oval at Newtown High. And the bloke could kick a footy, but he just didn't play footy. So <laughs> to come from where he did and to make it, make a career out and the way he calls it he never calls himself much of a footballer you know he just he just made the best of what he had to to do to give yeah it was interesting with his dad you know not letting him um bump and whatnot until what grade five or something grade six so they didn't want him, didn't want him playing because he didn't like the bumping he like james believed in tackling only oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. that's right Old yeah school. yeah yeah that's right how do you find it bakes you Bit of an insight there, eh? Yeah, no, different, mate. Um, like you just, it's it's different to what we got, like to what we see now with the juniors coming through. They always like have a good pathway, good under 18s good you know system. But Cole just went bang from state league footy to bang straight into it. I mean, it's just from a for a kid from the northwest coast where I'm from, I know what it's like to go straight to Hobart, straight to Melbourne on an AFL is bang. I mean, you're thinking, well, you know, what's going on? Yeah, that's what I said to him. You understand why. Um, kids do want to come home because it's just bang, you're straight into it. And it's just either you're here, get used to it, or, you know, 
Because clubs look at it as a business. You, they're not wasting money, so yeah, they're going to get there and get them knuckle down, or that's it. We know what it's like for people to move away as well. Like last year when you left us, folks, you cried for months. And, 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 how, how, and how, how old are you, mate? And, and, yeah, no, and, that's and, true, and, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just takes a little bit of welcoming, but we, yeah. we stayed in touch with you, try and help you through the process, mate. <laughs> yeah, mate, yes, nice, yes. I can vouch for that. You know, Milo, you're on the Gold Coast, Bake, you're in Melbourne, I'm up here in um, regional Queensland, and, you know, all my family's in Melbourne, and, you know, I have some pretty dark moments where I miss them a lot, you know, and I think it's going to happen whether you're 17 or if you're, you know, 43. So, you know, it's tough. It can be tough, but yeah, quite interesting that stat that he gave us about only, um, what did he beat? Seven teams in his whole career or something. That, yeah, roughly. That's, unbe- yeah. that's unbelievable, by the, isn't it? By the time, by the time, and they and they would have probably included Gold Coast and GWS too. Don't forget because they were just starting out in the later part of his career. So, you think about yeah, that five right. original five original teams that he would have only beat. It's amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's just unbelievable. And um, did you boys know that it was his birthday tomorrow? <laughs> well, I did. I did when I read it the other day. Um, yeah, you just didn't remember. His, day, his, day, his debut. And, yeah, I just totally forgot about it. My uh, Mrs. Birthday uh, tomorrow as well. So happy oh, birthday, girl! I won't. I won't forget because you share the same birthday as Colin Garland. I remember now. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday. But anyway, right, you know, if any if any guests are out there listening, we've set the bar very high. Um, so, yeah, oh, that was amazing. That was amazing. Ripper guest. And, and guys, yeah, get on the um, Facebook. Make some suggestions. If you've got any leads for us, send them our way. We're always open for them. I mean, we, we're willing to interview anybody. So, well, we shouldn't say anybody. Milo, who do we want to interview? Or should I call you Nick? <laughs> we want to interview the... Anyone, mate. Anyone that's got good footy stories that we can give us some insight. You know, we're not just about you know former AFL players. We want to talk about all football in here, and everyone wants to hear football. So we'll we'll open the door to most people. Most. As long as we don't have to listen to your stories, mate. So that's the yeah. Main well, thing. we can make <laughs> a, a series about it, guys, and I reckon the if, crowd crowd will start. If we start if we start resorting if we start resorting to Milo's stories, we'll we'll wrap the. Oh, I think we will. So, are you boys happy that you got your Tasmanian fix now, or what's going on? There's plenty you know? more out there, mate. Plenty more out there. Yeah, we need to get a um, Western Australia bloke on, I think. <laughs> Bit of Leon Baker. Well, I think we'll get Leon Baker on, eh? Good play for the Bombers back in the 80s, yeah. Leon, yep, sensational. Yeah, no, that's good. Anyway, boys, right, we'll wrap it up. We'll um, Until next time. That's the thing about football. See you guys. See you, boys. See you, Bakey. See you, buddy.